All right, it's time for the Miami Sports Pod, and it's happy to be back on the pod. Will Manso alongside Duke Elaine, Clay Ferrell getting some well-deserved time off in the summer, and I'm coming back from a couple of weeks of time off from the pod. I missed the pod. Pod missed well, you. Believe it or not, I did. I, mi- I missed it. I always enjoy doing it, and especially when we have a good topic. And I can, I, I'm just going to spend one hour telling you about my entire trip. How about that? How was Paris in England? Paris was lovely. London was lovely. Uh, it was World Cup fever, and it's a perfect theme for the World Cup and for the discussion we're going to have tonight. Didn't that work out nicely? I got to tell you, last week uh, we were getting ready for the pod. I was coming back from dinner, and I'm going back and forth about, you know, what what are we going to, you know, how are we going to break down this LeBron situation? You know, how are we going to spin it towards the heat? And I'm pulling up in the parking lot. I'm listening to the Yankees-Red Sox game on ESPN Radio. They break in, and they're like, hey, LeBron's side with the Lakers. I'm like, ah, oh, thank Pod. We're done. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's it. it. And so this week, we had another struck of low of luck. Of we low? Were, of uh, low? Of low. <laughs> uh, apparently, speaking and I just, just uh, reunited. So we had another stroke of luck. We were debating doing a soccer pod, and moments ago, Will, you got off the phone with none other than the man of the hour, Jorge Mas. Jorge Mas, a lot to discuss. So we're going to we're gonna tip you in on what's going to happen in just a moment. But let's remind you, our sponsor today, Vera Motors, when you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. And I promise you, there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. And perfect segue to what you just discussed, and that is the latest news. And look, I say the latest news, and it's been four years of news, but this finally feels like a major step in the potential process of having an MLS team here in South Florida. Uh, we had the big party a few months ago and the celebration and Jorge Moss on board, uh, a big-time businessman in South Florida and worldwide. Uh, it all changed, though, David. It all changed because all of a sudden the location became the Mel Reese Golf Course and that complex there, which is on city-owned land. And obviously there's the, uh, you know, what do you do there and, and how does that work and how does that function? Well, Jorge Moss is trying to explain things, and he will get his chance to face the city commission to show his vision via social media. He showed the public, us, the media, the public as well, his vision on what it will look like, the first renderings, a video, the explanation on why he thinks it will work. Here is, though, his explanation to me. Listen in, his explanation when we discussed via phone about why this is the time to put it here and why he feels it can work and why he is just asking for a chance for it to get on the November ballot. Jorge, let, let, let me just start with, with what, the, what you're saying. No, listen, for all, oh yeah, always, oh yeah, I always have time for you. Oh, no, thank, you know. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I, I do. And, and after seeing the, the stuff tonight, it's obviously exciting. Uh, you released all the you know the clips tonight on Twitter and social media. What uh, what did it feel like to finally give people a taste of what your vision is and 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 seeing it all together at Miami Freedom Park? Well, you know, first of all, as a as, as a proud and homegrown Miamian, you know, my hometown and you know this endeavor of of bringing MLS to Miami is is for my city. Uh, it's a legacy item. And, and since we started exploring where we could leave something transformative for our fans, for our community, you know, we, we looked at, at the Melry site and frankly looked at it with the first narrative of how can we activate this as a great park for our city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right now it's inaccessible to 95% of the residents, but, but most importantly, 
it's a place where we can use, you know, a, a beautiful soccer facility that'll be home to our team, a place where our fans can unite, uh, a place where we can celebrate the great world sport of soccer, and also use the fact that we could hopefully develop there a technology hub that could have, you know, high-paying jobs and, and bring employment and, 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 and more investment in Miami. You know, hotel rooms, remember, the proximity to the airport, it's really the gateway to the city because 50 million people who come in and out of the airport, that's the first thing they're going to see. So I wanted to try to do something beautiful and really a, a great experience for families, you know, food and beverage, you know, retail in terms of sports and health. Most importantly, in entertainment venues that they could go. But always respecting the fact of leaving, you know, 70% of the park, you know, green. Yeah. And activating a park where every resident can go, every resident can visit. So so for, for me, when I started seeing this design and this vision, obviously done by, by, by architects who, who know what they're doing, I was very excited by the prospects. Um, and, and, and when you look at it, I wanted to make sure that this is the anti-Martin. Yeah. Um, you know, I have not seen a stadium in the United States, one, that pays full fair market value for the land lease that we're going to do because we're going to lease the land. We're not, we're not buying anything. And we're also going to pay property taxes. And in addition to that, no taxpayer monies at all towards the build of the stadium and or this development. So when you look at it and we have the chance to activate 23 acres of soccer fields, you know, activate our youth, open those soccer fields to all. Yeah. You know, that, that, that I'm not anticipating this facility to be our academy for our teams. So truly something that, 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 that young players and, you know, can use and, and adult leagues. And I want to I wanna make soccer part of this. And I think that that, that beautiful 23-acre field, coupled with a beautiful park, coupled with, um, you know, the soccer stadium, which is going to be, you know, we're going to make sure we contain the sound, the noise, you know, and make it something loud for, for, for our fans. I think it's something that's transformative for Miami. And when you look at the economics, it's going to be a project that's going to have almost $1 billion of investment for our city. Okay. But most importantly, it's going to generate $44 million a year in tax revenue for the city, county, state, and for the school board. When you add that to the lease payments we'll be making, which will be approximately $3.5 million a year, that's $47 million a year to the city coffers. And in addition to that, we want to make a $20 million gift in order to activate the park. Okay. So I think it's a very, very compelling project. And the only thing that we're asking the city commissioners to do is to allow the voters to decide. You know, this is the residents and the voters' land. You know, I'd like them to choose what vision they want. You know, if they believe in this vision, if they want a transformative project, if they want high-paying jobs, um, you know, I want the voters to decide. Because, again, I want to make sure that, we, that, that we're the anti-Marlins deal. Yeah. And you mentioned it uh, now, and you mentioned it obviously a couple times via social media, trying to make clear that this is not a, a taxpayer money needed. There's no, you know, this is a situation where you and the group will handle it at all. But so what is the, I guess, the fear of opposition or what is the, the hurdle you have to overcome to make sure you can let these commissioners and the city commissioners understand, hey, get this on the ballot. And then if it gets on the ballot, get the voter to see that, this is something that can benefit the community and not bring back bad memories of, of that Marlins deal and other, other deals. Correct. As you know, well, there, you know, there's been discussions about this project for three, four months now, but it's all been in a visual vacuum. Nobody has actually seen what we're doing. Mm -hmm. From the reaction that I've gotten over the last few hours, people are taken aback by how beautiful it is, by how it's really green. You don't see any asphalt barely, you know, because the parking is tucked under that, the, the field. So we've tried to make something beautiful, and we've tried to, to, to make sure that people understand there's no taxpayer dollars. It's all privately funded. 
All of the tax benefits go to the city. It's going to be open to every resident. So when you look at the Marlins deal, that it was completely taxpayer-funded and built, Marlins Stadium does not pay property taxes. The Marlins control the lease there. They control the retail. Mm -hmm. So this is completely the opposite. It is, it is a, a complete opposite, you know. Mm -hmm. so, so, and I want the voters to decide, you know, because I, I think that's important. You know, I think that I want this to be the people's team. I'd love this to be the people's project. So that's why I'm extremely confident that if we're able to get this on the ballot, I think we'll have overwhelming support for it. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm very enthusiastic. I'm very confident because I think it's a beautiful project and it's done for all of the right reasons. You, you came on board, obviously, well into the situation, but you know you followed the history of, of the Beckham Group and everything that's been going on to get to this point. Uh, there's been numerous sites. The latest was the Overtown site. How, when you came on board, Jorge, did everything change direction to this particular site? What was the overriding factor that made you focus on this and maybe move on from Overtown or potentially any other sites? The, the one overriding factor, first, I grew up in. I was born and I grew up in Miami. I do not think a stadium in Overtown does that neighborhood justice. I frankly feel that in a parcel that we own, something else has to be built there to avoid gentrification, to avoid dividing Overtown. I think it's something that we need to do to build at that community, and, and I don't think it's a stadium. So my first compelling you know, effort was, why is a stadium in Overtown? So, you know, that was my number one reason, um, because I, I understand our city. You know, the Overtown leaders do not want a stadium there. Um, and plus, frankly, it's, it's, it, it, it's almost, you know, it, it, it doesn't belong there. Um, and so when I started looking at sites around the city, we're somewhat limited because MLS has to approve the site. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we looked out west, but MLS wants to be in the urban core. They want to be in the center of the city because they've had extreme success with the soccer-specific stadiums. You know, right now, MLS soccer's attendance is greater than the NBA and the NHL. So when we looked at that, you know, Mel Reese is perfectly and centrally located. It's, we're going to have a beautiful walkway from the intermodal center, the MIC, which is the end point of all public transportation. It's a short walk directly into the stadium. So we're going to have a mix of public transportation and parking. There will be no traffic issues in the neighborhood, none. There will be no traffic issues getting in and out of the airport. We've had, you know, consultants study that ad nauseum. Um, so when we looked when we looked at Mel Reese, we thought it was the perfect site at the perfect time, um, you know, and, and really do something that unites the cultural mosaic that is Miami. And I think soccer is a sport that can do that. And I want a venue where people can go and enjoy the fan experience before a game, mm -hmm. during a game, and after a game. And most importantly, listen, I'm a huge believer stadiums on their own are not economic drivers. But a stadium is part of a park, as part of a village that we can activate and, and have people going there every day, you know, night, day, lunch, and have it active and moving works. Because, unfortunately, when you look at Marlin Stadium and Hard Rock, if there's no game going on, even the Miami Arena, nothing happens in the surrounding area. So, yeah. so this is not that I'm looking at a stadium spurring the development. I'm looking at a park and a village that has a stadium in it. So I'm taking a very different approach than most owners take with stadiums. How close are you uh, in the next steps as far as the name? I know that it says Miami Freedom Park, but that's not necessarily the name of the team, correct? And and colors, the uh, name, things like that. Yes, the team, the team, the team will not be the, the Miami Freedom. Um, the concept for Miami Freedom Park is a name that I think encompasses a lot of the character and nature of so many of the communities. I think we're a city that that envelops freedom, that envelops a freedom to dream. So you know, I I think it would be a very appropriate name for the park. 
But the team name will be announcing in a couple weeks. We want to get, obviously, you know, the stadium issue that's taken all of our time and all of our focus. I think people will be very satisfied with the name. I think the team colors, the shield, the uniforms are looking phenomenal. Um, but we'll be announcing that hopefully by, by the end of the month. Or if, if it gets on the ballot, which is obviously the big step next to this week, what is the timeline then? Obviously, you want to get it to that November vote. The hope is that it could get voted and you can move on. But in the time being, what is the process of making sure you have a soccer team on the field with the scheduled plan of 2020 and then get this stadium rolling and eventually built and, and, and you know being able to show it to South Florida soon after that? Our timeline is as follows. We'll be kicking off March of 2020. We'll be hiring a general manager in August. Uh, we've already started interviewing coaches. Uh, once we have a general manager on board, um, you know, we can start scouting players. More importantly, we've already adopted the style of play of the team, what we're going to be looking for. So there's been a lot of work done in the last two or three months. In terms of the referendum, once we pass our referendum, there's obviously the process on the stadium build. We anticipate this new stadium, if everything goes as we expect, to be available for the 2021 season. Uh, we're all obviously going to play in an interim site in 2020. We're working on that. Um, there's, you know, a lot of interest in our team playing in the other two large facilities in, in Dade County that, that that can house our team. So we're extremely excited. There's been a lot of work done. I want our fans to know that, you know, we have a whole blueprint of what our team's going to look like, what type of players we want. There have been discussions with players. We're going to be a team and, frankly, modeled more after Atlanta United uh, than, you know, some of the other franchises. You know, I do not believe that our team should be you know, the retirement point for superstars. You know, we are going to develop superstars. We're going to bring in great players here. We are going to be MLS's global team. Um, so, you know, I'm very, very enthusiastic about the progress that we've made in the last four months. Final question, Jorge, before I let you go. The, the plan obviously needs to come together quick, given that you're going to discuss things with the City Commission this week and David and those things. Uh, if it is not, what is the contingency plan if things don't go the way you want them to go as far as getting this on the ballot in November, if maybe they need more time? Obviously, sometimes political things, there are hiccups. What, what is the plan to make sure everything stays on track with that similar timeline you discussed? Well, we're singularly focused on being successful on Thursday. Um, again, what I'm asking the commission to do is let the voters decide, let democracy reign. But, but our alternative, frankly, we own the land in Overtown. If, if, if we had to fall back to that plan, that's all we have. Um, I don't think it's the best for the city. I don't think it's best for the team. Um, again, but I, but I think and I'm very confident that, you know, the members of the city of Miami Commission, our fans, the public, you know, put it to a vote, let people decide. I think this is a transformative project. It's a legacy project. I think we can make a difference. I think it's going to get the attention of the world, frankly. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm very confident. I think that we will be able to achieve, you know, getting it on the ballot. And I'm extremely optimistic that we'll be successful on the ballot. And as, this, as we have a campaign moving forward to educate our voters as they learn that there's no taxpayer money mm -hmm. um, at all and that we're trying to do the right thing in terms of activating a park and opening it to all residents, I think that's the proper narrative, and I think I think people will vote yes on that. Okay, so so Jorge Mas basically is saying get it on the ballot. That's the number one thing. Just get it on the ballot, and the first step in that will come this week, David. It'll come on Thursday uh, when he faces along with David Beckham, the city commission. Put yourself outside of the the journalist. Just you're you're like all of us. I mean, you're a South Florida resident. You want the best for our community. You look at what the things Jorge Mas has said and shown us, 
And given the history of this town, we know what happened with the Marlins and, and all the promises, yet that a lot of it involved money. Obviously, that was taxpayer money. This does not, from what Jorge Mas is telling us, and there was no reason not to believe him. I mean, it, it was all laid out there. Your concern is what? And your, I guess, general feeling on what happens next is what? Well, I guess I'll start with my concern. Um, and, you know, it's hard to take off a journalist hat when you're when you're talking about your concerns, because this is a process that started four years ago and it started with basically a parade and, and a huge celebration. We got soccer. OK, great. Soccer in Miami. Done. But it wasn't done. And then there was this, and David Beckham came here. He came by the station. He was all over town. He was going to random soccer fields. Kids were running after him. I remember you doing a live shot. It was madness. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest stars in the world. And then there was four years and nothing happened. And then in January, end of January this year, Jorge Mas got involved. And Change things. I, I think, things. listen, it, it, from, from, a, from, from a reputation yeah. standpoint, I mean... Jorge Mas has a stellar reputation as a businessman, as a community leader, as someone who has the money, which I think is something that's that's Pretty very important yeah. for, for any process. Uh, he's respected. He brings a credibility. He also has a knowledge of how to navigate the very complex political world of South Florida. Uh, so now we come to this. At the time, that what was what was promised by... Moss and Beckham and and all and everyone coming out was that over the next few months there would be a slow drip of information the name of the team the yeah, but, colors but of the it team didn't come but now the, we have it though we're there already we're I, past I'm just, that aren't we I'm just saying you asked you asked me what what my concerns but were but we don't need that anymore we well, have this well, is my, it. This my is get the stadium my concern is that was what the group told us and that is not what happened okay we didn't get anything so now we're in mid July. The ballot is in November for voters in Miami, okay? So in order for this to become fait accompli, in order for, for Malrees to be the spot, okay, two things have to happen. First, City of Miami commissioners, three out of five, have to approve it, which when you're talking South Florida politics, you never know. You don't, you well, know. One thing and, and by the way, we I want you to keep going. One thing Moss said was, look, you know, we don't want to think about, we don't, you heard, we don't want to think about that, that this doesn't get uh, on the ballot because obviously our fallback option in the Overtown location, we don't feel, A, that's the best location for the soccer stadium, but B, that's even the best thing for that community from Moss. And look, he is a man who knows about development and knows about, about business, and he doesn't feel that that's a good location for either, for the community. And he says that Overtown leaders have already opposed it. And we knew there was going to be a battle with Overtown regardless. There were a lot of questions, including parking and other things. But, I mean, this is a huge step. I, I really feel like, don't you, that from what Moss said, and has been saying, and we'll say all week, in about four days, or, you know, as we tape this on a Sunday, but let's just, for the sake of those not listening, you know, that are listening throughout the week, Thursday, we're going to really know if we're going to get the stadium or not, aren't we? Because Maybe. if it doesn't get on the ballot, I mean, they have to decide soon enough. You can't, you, you got you to gotta decide at, at, at some point. If it doesn't get on the ballot, they could say wait a week or something, but, I mean, if it doesn't get on the ballot... It, they're in trouble. Well, you asked Moss what his fallback option was, and he said we own that land in Overtown and we could proceed, but we don't want to think about our plan B. But, yeah, so step one is is the commission has to approve it. That There are three out of five commissioners, which, again, 
could happen Thursday, but I was actually watching This Week in South Florida with uh, Glenn and Michael this morning, and there, the discussion there was that oftentimes when someone comes before the commission and says, hey, here's what we want to do, the commissioners will come back and say, okay, that's great, but I need you to do X, Y, and Z before we can proceed. And so it may not happen Thursday. The, the commission could come back to them and say, listen, I understand you want to get on the November ballot. Nice to see you, David Beckham, your international superstar. But you guys need to do these things in order before we can do that. Okay, so step one is navigating the complexities of the politics. And then step two, we're talking about the voters. And... You know, we obviously have to be careful because honestly, this is this is a political issue and there are people who are for it and there are people who are against it. There are people who who have values related to the Mel Rees course and the programs there. And there are people who really, really want to see soccer. And we have to be respectful of letting voters make their own decision about something well, like I, this. I think the, the main focus is, you know, with Mel Rees is what is the benefit of Mel Rees right now? I think that's the question as a community people have to ask themselves. And you're right. That is up to each individual. Like, I can't tell you with 100% certainty, the real answer to that, because I don't think there is a real answer. To some people, Mel Reese is a is a cherished area that brings back memories and that it's a green space. When you fly into Miami and MIA, you see this large green space. Does it change then when you get this stadium and, and hotels that are be added? Now, Moss, again, he's saying 70% of that area will remain green. And when you look at the renderings and, and the video that he produced via social media on Sunday, it does look like it is mostly green. There, There is not a lot of bulkiness or clunkiness or, or, or congestion to it, but I, I get both sides of the equation. You know, I, I think devil's advocate, you know what you say to yourself? Look, you've got a lot of money. You've got a great vision. Why can't you find another spot? Now, Moss indicated a bit the answer to that when he told me that, Basically, MLS wants it in a centralized location. And when you talk centralized locations, it is very limited, the options you have. You could certainly go out west, which they looked into, but the further west you go, the less chances MLS MLS feels and the success of their league is hinged on having a centralized core to the city that you are playing in. They need MLS approval on the stadium. If they move too far west, they will not get it. And Moss's concern is that because they, they need this centralized location. Also, his vision being a Miami person, knowing Mallory's well, they will, David, get opposition. There's no doubt about it. This will not be a slam dunk easy thing. Just like I said that we could get answers on Thursday if they put on the ballot, just because it does get on the ballot if it does. There is no way to determine right now, and there's certainly a lot of work to be done before November. This is not a slam dunk in any way, shape, or form. There will be a lot of opposition. You know, you asked me another part of the question, which was sort of on a human level, right? How do I feel about this? I think you and I work in sports, right? We love sports. Anything ultimately, if if it gets through the politics, if this is what the voters decide, ultimately more sports is good. Uh, more more things to watch, more things to talk about, more star power. It working would be great. You know, whether it works there, whether it works in Overtown, whether it works in another location. I think in general, I think people like having teams, but I think, and, and Jorge Mas, listening to your conversation, you know, while you were talking, I was in the audio booth listening, Jorge Mas is well aware of the scars left behind by the Marlins deal 
with people in South Florida. And he is going out of his way to differentiate what he is doing oh, what, you're right about with that. what David Sampson did with the Marlins and Dave, and everybody related to Marlins. I'm not just saying it was merely David Sampson. But the question is, will voters see a difference? Because some people will see it as a stadium deal is a stadium deal is a stadium deal. We got burned once before. I'm not doing it. And other people will see it, well, this is different because X, Y, Z. So when you talk about opposition, that is his... Jorge Mas's number one hurdle, he has to jump over. He has to explain to the public how this deal and this situation and this project is different from the Marlins project, even if he may think it's it's obvious. And of course, this is different. I'm paying for the whole thing. And, and that alone to him is like, duh, that's the difference. But I would guess that many people are very skeptical, especially given the fact that this has gone on for so long. You know, I, but I do think, and, and I think it's even interesting the language we used to talk about this, okay? Because if you and I were talking about this project six months ago, we we're sitting here on a podcast talking about this project, we would have said the name David Beckham 4,000 times. And notice we're talking about Jorge Mas. And it's not just because you spoke to Jorge Mas, it's because he is doing his best to put his face, his name, his reputation, his idea, his stamp. I mean, look. The builder of this, okay, the architect who designed this whole thing is named Architectonica. I, uh, in my 20s, used to live in many buildings in downtown Miami. Mm -hmm. My roommate and I used to move around all over the place. I've lived in a few buildings owned by them. They build beautiful buildings. So, oh, it's gorgeous. So, so when I don't think that's debatable. So, so when that's debatable. So, when we talk about like the project itself, if we just talk about like the video, but when they start to make the presentation this week and as they start to make the rollout, the things that we're going to see, if it passes, the vision that they're going to lay out, it's going to look good. I mean, it's architectonica, it's big money, it's, it's just a question of how are people going to respond to soccer? I, I was in. I was in Orlando for a wedding a year and a half ago, and Orlando City, I believe is their MLS's mm -hmm. name, they were playing a road game the night that I went out before the wedding. I was, I was in downtown Orlando. They blocked off a section of the street, and they were having a street party going all the way up of people just watching Orlando City play a road game. And, people, and the streets were packed with people watching this game. So there are cities where people have very much embraced... Major League Soccer. I mean, Portland does great. Seattle does great. There are teams where there are there are, you know there there's sort of a stereotype of the American who doesn't like soccer, right? I I think it comes up in the World Cup. I think it comes up just in general. I I think there's sort of this this idea which is antiquated. Mm -hmm. I I mean, you look at kids. Kids wear Messi jerseys. Kids wear Neymar jerseys, and kids really like soccer and i and i think the world cup just to connect the two big things going on right now if you look at the world cup you look at the interest in the world mm -hmm. cup you look at the ratings in the world cup you look at the quality of the world cup people who don't even like soccer are into this thing so well there uh, has there's uh, there's no questioning the explosion of soccer here's one thing kids don't do and that's vote and and, and Good that, point. you got to get it on the ballot and you got to send the message to the voters in the city of Miami. And, you know, when it gets to the ballot, if it gets to that point as to the pros and cons, and it's a risky proposition. You know, this is I guess, you know, this is not Moss's fault, but the fact that four years in 
we are at this point where it's a breaking point where instead of talking about, hey, they've already broken ground, these are the colors, this is the name. Again, it's not Moss's fault because he got into this late. And in the reality, I think you and I both agree on this, Moss saved this deal. Moss saved MLS's chances of being in South Florida. If he doesn't swoop Beckham, in... I think Beckham said that. Oh, didn't, he, he, didn't he say that? He said, basically, he, he we were done. In, we were done. And, and Moss made a phone call. They had the lunch. And, and next thing you know, we're having this big presentation with Don Garber's in town, the MLS commissioner. So Moss saved it. And he's doing everything in his power. And when I say in his power, he's got power. He's got the contacts. He's got the money. He's got the connections. He's got the reputation. You're talking about a guy who's very well respected. You know, it's not like some guys coming in some, let's face it, some sleazeball with a bad reputation. He's bringing baggage and he's had other bad experiences. Jorge Mas is a well-respected person in this community. So when you say his name, there's a certain cachet to it. There's a certain respect level to it that makes people listen, which is why I think city commissioners are going to listen and why I think the public is going to listen. But none of that, David, none of it can can get you ready for the fact of what a person and what a, a, a voter will do on a ballot come November. Fair to say this, prior to Jorge Mas's involvement, the project almost seemed like a bit of a joke. Is that is that a is that a fair statement? I don't know a joke. I think more of a pipe dream because there, there was this whole you know you had the whole waterfront location that was never going to happen and that's let, a better word and and there was like five different types of investors that came in and all these names but it never felt real when Moss came on board it felt real for the first time at that event the MLS event that we all attended that we all covered you know that, that people in South Florida watched. That happened earlier in the year. That was the first time I said, you know what? I feel strongly about this. I, I The fact that Jorge Mas is involved made me think he will not see this fail. Unfortunately, even with all his power and all his money and all his intelligence, all his business savvy, all these things that he brings to the table, he can't control what happens politically. That's one thing he can't do. It really is a situation where, as he told us when he talked to us, you know, over the phone, he, he doesn't want to think about the alternative because this is their focus to get it on the ballot and let the people decide. It's a very tricky thing. I think, if anything, in 2016, without taking this podcast somewhere different, one of the things that we learned is predicting people's behavior inside the ballot box is very difficult. And many times people will think that they have a read on which direction someone is going to vote mm -hmm. and then people get in the ballot box and something different happens. Absolutely. And so, you know, between now and November, there's going to be all kinds of feeling out processes for how are we going to have the votes? Where are the votes going to come from? And the truth is, until if, if it gets on a ballot, until people get in the voting booths in November, you really aren't going to, you are not going to know until election night if this is going to pass or not. I'll tell you what, the passion is there from, from Moss. He really believes he has conviction on this. He does. This is the first time in this project that I've felt that someone has conviction on a situation. I've never, I've been to these meetings that were happening in Overtown. I've been to some of the, obviously, to the two big events to, to say, hey, we're coming, including the big one four years ago. I went to Chicago to meet with Don Garber when Beckham was there to pitch to the owners. Again, never once did I ever talk to anyone where I truly felt there was a conviction that this was happening. With Jorge Mas, you talk to him, there is a conviction in his voice and in his approach that this is happening, but for it to happen, too many things out of his control need to happen. And that is why this week is so important, and that's why if this week does happen, as, as he told us, the, the push continues then. Look, they want to hire a GM next month. 
Uh, they want to hire a coach. They're already scouting players in the next couple of weeks. They're going to announce the, 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 the name of the team and the colors. We know this location is named Miami Freedom Park, but it's not the name of the team. It will not be the Miami Freedom. So there's a lot of things that need to happen. I'm curious at what does happen. As a soccer fan, I want a soccer team here in South Florida. As a South Florida resident, I understand the hesitation from people that need to get all the facts straight. And I'm, you know, look, I, I, I'm a person who lives in South Florida. This is important to me and my community. Just like Marlins Park, where I felt Marlins Park was a good idea. And then a few years later, I was like, boy, shame on me. I was an idiot and a fool to think that. I don't think this is the type of situation that will con taxpayers, so to speak, because I don't think that's where this is going, obviously. But there is a concern that you look back and say, wow, it really didn't take off. The sport's not that popular. You know, five, ten thousand people go. It's not even packing the stands. And we have this huge space that was a, a green golf course and, and kind of a part of South Florida history that is gone to have this and it didn't work. That's I think that's the the concern. But when you hear Moss speak, it sure does sound like they have a determined focused plan to make sure it doesn't get to that point. You know what's crazy? If Jorge Moss's bid to buy the Marlins goes through none of this is happening he just owns the marlins and we're done but uh it's just funny the way the stars aligned so moss was interested in buying the marlins puts in a bid major league baseball had made it very clear that they wanted Derek jeter to own the marlins it works out that jeter ends up and jeter and his group i know he owns only owns five percent they end up beating out moss (laughs) and then moss turns around and joins the soccer group yep. that is asking the commissioners and the public to approve their deal based on the idea that they're not the Marlins who he couldn't buy. Yeah. No, you're right. So I think I a weird it, six degrees it, of separation. If, There's if, no doubt about if, it. If, if listen, if it were me and I were Jorge Mas, I'm only speaking for me and the way that I think. If it were me and I were Jorge Moss, spite would be a huge motivating factor. <laughs> I'm a spiteful man. And if if my, again, not speaking for Jorge Moss, no, speaking for David Lang, if, if I tried to buy the Marlins and I had more money than I needed and they picked Derek Jeter and another group over me, I absolutely would be motivated, if nothing else, by spite, again, only me, to get this deal done. Yeah, it, I'll tell you what, spite is not a motivation for Jorge Moss. One thing he also referenced to us you know, in the conversation was that he loves Miami. He's a Miami guy. This is this is his town. This is his community. He wants, you know, when, you always say to yourself, when someone has so much money, right, we couldn't imagine what it's like to have the money that Jorge Moss has, right, and his, the Moss family. And it's just, you know, they've worked hard for it, but they're they're filthy rich and you couldn't you say to yourself okay what does a person like that really have an ambition to do now when you've reached that level of success right well it's a legacy and he sees this as a legacy he sees this as many years down the road you can look and say hey our vision Jorge Moss, my vision, my family's vision, our group's vision was to put something in Miami that would make Miami proud for years to come and then make it a, a destination area, a place where people fly in the MIA and see it. That is his motivation here. Like Jeffrey Loria left behind a beautiful legacy. It's beautiful, and, and, you know, home run statue and then that lovely stadium we all get to see when we fly into South Florida and, and vomit. 
thinking about what it, well, how it got there. No, and I look, and that I, I kid you not. I know we laugh, but that is the concern. Look, I see I both understand. sides. Like I see Jorge Moss's side, and and I and I actually am on board with it. I think it's great. I I, I think it's exciting. I want MLS here. I think I'm a, I'm a sports guy who wants more sports. There's nothing wrong with that. But from the public perspective, I could see the public saying, "In ten years, going look at that waste of space." You know, I'm struggling to pay my rent. I'm struggling. There's no green in this town. There's no there's no area to take my kids to go play a nice park. You know, we were joking earlier that I went to London and Paris on vacation. What's the one thing you see everywhere in Paris and London? Just green and areas, especially Paris, parks and great places to take your kids. Let's face it, South Florida in the Miami core. I know in Broward, you're a proud resident. The Miami core, you don't have that. You don't have a lot of green space in parks. You have a lot of brick old buildings going up. And what do we have? Cranes everywhere and construction areas and all these things. And you know, all, all, all the growth we've seen, none of it has to do really with green. So, you know what I love spending well? stress. You, you, you mentioned what, what would it, you know, what would it be like to be Jorge Mas? You know what I like spending? Other people's money. When other, when other people want to spend their money on something, if it's something that ultimately is beneficial, okay. I mean, well, and, he, and that's, it is his money and, and it is and, their money. And not, so, he's not and the so, only person. and so, you know, that's, that's something that, that, you know, again, it, it really depends on how it works out. And if, you know, the specifics, if it's really complete, you know, cause they could say, oh, this is all paid for, but then there's a, there's always, you know, the, the, let me put it this way. The devil is in the details, right? So the idea of somebody paying for everything, that's not usually when you look at stadium deals across the country, okay, most stadium deals across the country are billionaires leveraging cities to give them a break so that they can save money and earn money on their franchises. And keep something in mind, okay? This is very important. I'm taking you back to public policy class at Duke University. I'm very proud of this. I never thought this would come in useful. But when you look at owners, okay, the bulk of the money that owners make is in the ultimate transaction. That is the buying and selling of a team. It's not necessarily the year to year. It's the Jeffrey Loria, I bought the franchise for, you know, 10 million and I sold it for a billion. It's the growth between where you buy it and where you sell it. And so the value that you can create for a franchise is dependent upon things like a stadium. So when you get the stadium built in, so whatever money Beckham and his group paid to get in, whatever their initial fee was, if they get this done, if they build this up, the value of the franchise, ultimately, if it works, that's where they're going to make their money. It's not in the, you know, 2020 to 2021, 2021 to 2022. That's why when I hear about owners in sports freaking out about paying a small fee or even a large fee, but a relatively small fee over, say, a luxury tax or, you know, uh, going over a cap, I kind of laugh because that's not where you make your money. Your franchise is now worth $5 billion. So with Moss, that's kind of what we're talking about here. He's, it's not just a legacy. It's a financial legacy of growth. And, and his argument is that this will not just be his growth, but this will be Miami's growth. And that this will not just be... And, and, and well, the most interesting thing I thought he said mm-hmm. in your conversation was... The idea that he wants the reason because because when you when you initially heard about this right before he laid out the model, Moss was talking about a technology hub, which we had to Google what is a tech what is a technology hub and a park and a this and a, and, mm-hmm. and 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 so I was kind of wondering like why all these 
other things, right? Like why? Like well, his thing is his economic driven and, stadium is not going to drive you. And so he wants a three hundred and sixty five day a year profitable area. And when you think about it, when the Panthers aren't playing, how many people are going to the BB&T Center if there's not a concert, there's not something going on? American Airlines Arena, they have events all the time. But if there's nothing going on, how is it generating revenue? Marlins Park, when there's nothing. So he wants something where it's sort of season proof, which I think is an interesting concept. Well, when you're, when you're also getting and he also mentioned the academy itself, their soccer academy won't be there. They'll, that'll be a different location. Those parks, those fields that they had, those soccer fields, they envision it as being for the general public, for the people. So uh, that that is what the focus is. Before we let it go, let me give you one more mention that our sponsor today, Vera Motors, when you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. And I promise you there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years for the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. So to put a wrap on our conversation, this big week, it's a big week. It's not the tell-all week, but I think we'll get a better understanding after this uh, city commission meeting and when Moss and, look, David Beckham's going to be in town, so, you know, news crews on every single local TV station are going to be going crazy with the with the smile and, and the selfies and, you know, David Beckham's around and people love that. In the end, though, not David Beckham's smile, nor Jorge Mas's money is going to decide this. It's going to be five city commissioners deciding whether they'll put it on a ballot, and then the voters in the city of Miami on whether they will allow it. And that is, that's a scary proposition for four years of waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for an MLS team to come. And yet, this is what it's come to. It's it's not a slam dunk. I wish I you know I don't know what a soccer what a soccer terminology or pun would be. Obviously, slam dunk doesn't work, but it's clearly not. It, it's not, it's not something that's a given here. There's a lot that can happen and will happen. Can I freeze and cold take you? In what sense? Uh, can I read a tweet of yours? That I think sounds funny now. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, great. Quote: Will Manso, I want to get excited about the World Cup, but I just can't, and it's only a few days away. Just don't feel any buzz around it. I'm sure having no team USA in it isn't helping. Yeah, how, how good is how good is the World Cup in? Oh, but no, but I I meant from a from a buzz. Yeah, I said once the tournament comes, it's fine. Oh, I thought you had something like something really. Oh good no no no. Oh, I thought that uh, was pretty. Good. Oh no, I mean I had I had zero. You know when I started feeling buzz for the World Cup when I was in Europe when I was in Europe and seeing people around because here in South Florida, I mean I, I know people watch it and it. But when I went to Europe and those cafes in Paris and that pub in London, I never seen how cool. Like, how cool I was, was it? So cool. Uh, but the World Cup's been entertaining, absolutely. But I I still didn't feel the buzz that I felt in the past. No, that didn't change. I'll be honest with you, okay. Because that's what we're about on this pod, right? Um, I'm not the world's biggest soccer insider. I'm not the world's biggest soccer fan most of the time. I'm not up on Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock watching the English Premier League. But this World Cup, man, has been... And it's so strange because the U.S. isn't in it. This World Cup has been so good. Some of the matches that I've watched... I mean, Belgium against Brazil and Croatia against Russia were... So incredible. Just the theater of it, the excitement of it, the results. I mean, I it's been, it's, 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 been, been, it's been a very entertaining World Cup. And look, and now you get down to the final four. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We look forward to that too. You got a couple games this week and then uh we tape on Sunday. So this time next week we'll be taping our next pod and we'll be uh, we'll know who the World Cup champion is. So it'll be fun to see and we'll know a better understanding. I don't know how much soccer we'll talk on next week's pod because we don't know if anything will happen with the heat, but I do know this uh is an interesting week. 
in the ongoing saga of Miami LLS, David Beckham, now Jorge Mas. We'll be all over it. We'll have full team coverage on Local 10, local10.com. Uh, we look forward to that. Thanks for listening. That was the Miami Sports Pod.